It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. A big air high five to everybody out there. Uh, I'm Tom Sumner, along with my co-host, Andrea Sutton, joining me by phone. Well, good morning. Good morning. And how the heck are you? Good for a Wednesday. Yeah, well, <laughs> Can't it, complain. as you mentioned, it is Wednesday, which means it's Armchair Politics Day on the Tom Sumner program coming up in the second and third hours of uh, today's three-hour tour. We have our weekly roundtable with roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right. They'll be joined today by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Good to have her on again. Oh, she's, she's always great. Yeah. She was on about a month ago, I think. Yeah, Something yeah, like we that. have a little bit of a rotation going on. We get, uh, oh, we get former mayors uh, Dane Walling and Woodrow Stanley, and and we have uh, um, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine, and then we have some others uh, from time to time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Bobby's turn back in the third chair, and. Uh, it should be interesting. Also, will be interesting coming up in about 15 minutes or so. I'll be talking to our uh, constitutional law guru. Um, he's a uh, professor of constitutional law at uh, WMU Cooley in Tampa. And he'll be uh, joining me by phone to talk about um, recent Supreme Court decisions. Brendan Beery. Yeah, Couple of them were interesting this last week. Oh, I know there've been there've been three big ones. In fact, uh, the the president tweeted, uh, "Do you get the impression that the Supreme Court doesn't like me?" <laughs> yeah, it's popularity contest in his world, huh? Poor President Trump. Yep, yep, yep. Poor guy. Somebody didn't cheat. They're always out to get him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's out to get them. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. for what it's worth, Mr. President, we'll we'll send out uh, a big air high five to you and jazz hands and all that. And welcome to our virtual play date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, our audio play date. 
That's what it was. <laughs> Something like that. Hey, um, they had a great conversation uh, about John Bolton yesterday with uh, Mark Everson. You know, he, okay, he always has such a, a great perspective, and he actually worked with um, John Bolton at the Justice Department back during the Reagan administration. That's when they both got started, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And he said, <laughs> and, and, and at the end of the day, he said, John never changes. He's he's okay. he's always exactly who you see. Oh, that's cool. It is to get some kind of perspective like that. Anyway, well, we kn- we know that the media can make people look, you know, different than than they are. And he's no, that's John. He said, and he's been <laughs> like he's he's never changed. He's that guy. Even the mustache, she stays yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, that nineteen seventies <laughs> mustache. <laughs> I'm ready for him to sport sideburns in retirement or something. I, I had one of those. It wasn't as good oh, as John did? Bolton's, yeah. but I had a mustache forever and ever. In fact, I I've uh, always wondered how he would blow his nose with that mustache. Um, why bother? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Kleenex handy. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, big jazz hands to you too, uh, Mr. Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, I have been. I have been so incredibly busy. Well, I'll just. I'll, I'll just go inside baseball with it. Um, I've okay. been really working on lining up candidates and. Uh, scheduling shows and and so on uh coming up tomorrow we are doing um the third of uh the state house races that we're following where we set up and have a show that has all of the candidates from that that race that's coming up you know the primary in august and uh and we have all of them coming on tomorrow in fact two of the candidates one from uh, the republican primary and one from the democratic primary are married lynn and ray uh, freiberger and that makes that uh, this particular race which is the 50th district state house seat currently held by incumbent tim sneller who's running for re-election and then there's um let's see who else do we have uh, christina hutchinson and um uh, Lynn Fuki, I think is how you, you pronounce it. They sound like newcomers. Um, yes and no. Uh, but we're oh, going to okay. hear from all of them tomorrow, all five candidates uh, on tomorrow's show. Good. And it's going to be interesting because Lynn and her husband, I Ray, got, yeah. are going to be on together. <laughs> Two in one. Yeah. Yeah, so that that that'll okay. be a little different. Um, also yeah, coming up, because I already Friday, got my ballot. Did you? Well, see, that's why yeah, I'm, that's, I'm gonna, that's why I'm doing exactly. the hustle here. You know, trying to get exactly. as many of these candidates now on Friday. Um, there's uh, a race for a uh, circuit court um, seat uh, for judge, 
And uh, District Court Judge uh, Herman Marable is uh, uh-huh. running for that seat. He wants to move up to another court. And uh, Flint Attorney uh, Chris Christensen is running for yeah. that seat as well. And there was a little dust up there about uh, petitions for Chris Christensen, uh, Judge Marable's campaign, claiming that um, he put his office address on the petitions he filed instead of his home address and election oh, law okay. says you're supposed to use the address that you use for voting and um, anyway there was a little bit of a, a court bruja over that and uh, oh I missed that one. and Christensen survived and and uh, made it in okay. so the two of them will be on the show Friday Good. and then and then I'm putting together a week um, it, it's actually going to end up being a week and a half or two weeks of concentrated you know review before the primary a chance to hear all of the candidates that have been on the show um, with a different race each day um, kind of like an in case you missed it kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. Well, I, I have to go into repeat mode, you know, during the, the week that I generally go camping. And so I yeah. thought, well, why don't I just consolidate all of these uh, these different candidate interviews and make it so each mm-hmm. day it's a different, uh, a different seat, you know, like all of the 34th district state house candidates on one day and all of the 48th district on one day, you know, and, and do it that way. So, um, that'll be coming up, uh, about the third week of July, I think. Cool. So I've cool. been, you know, I've been putting these things together and, you know, organizing behind the scenes when we're not, when we're not on the air. In, well, it's like uh, trying to herd cats this time of year, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's kind of tough uh, tracking these candidates down. One of the candidates in, that uh, is going to be on the show tomorrow is like a ghost. Uh, you know, uh-huh. I, I could find that he was registered. You know, to 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 run. You know that he was. Uh, you know he'd f- paid the fee and you know was officially a candidate. But I couldn't find him. I couldn't get him to huh. answer his uh, his phone. And um, I looked for him on social media, and I found a page, but there's no picture, there's no information. And, you know, even on the, uh, oh, like Ballotpedia has his name and stats, oh, okay. but no picture. You know, I mean, I just I couldn't, I, I couldn't find the guy. He finally called me. He's camping Elusive. in Ohio. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! <laughs> I mean, this guy—quite really, a ways away. This guy really is a, a, a ghost, but he won't—he <laughs> won't be after tomorrow because he's going to be one of the guests on tomorrow's show. Okay. Cool. Calling yeah. from Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Most I get him from everywhere. Them. I did an interview. Um, it was uh, played on the show yesterday uh, with a guy from Salzburg, Austria. Yeah, I remember you saying that. That was kind of fun. I, and a first. I don't think I've had anybody on the show from Salzburg. I've talked to people from <laughs> Russia and the UK and Ireland and South Africa yeah, and I, Australia, uh, 
Tokyo. I, you know, I've had people from, you know, Italy, uh, from all over the, the world, but never Salzburg. That was a first. Huh. Huh. I, I always feel like I should break out in, like, the Sound of Music theme or something every <laughs> time I hear that. <laughs> the hills are alive, man, with the Sound of Music. <laughs> 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 with the sound of audio play dates that's right <laughs> as heard here on the Tom Sumner program um, and uh, also I, I, I want to just remind people that we're really encouraging in the first hour of the show I want to continue to have these these uh, featured guests and interviews uh, in the in the second and third hour of the show every day but in the first hour I really want to encourage people to, to get involved and, and call in and be part of our audio play date every day uh, by calling 810-339-8255. We've set it up now so that we can have multiple people on the line at the same time. So, um, I, Thanks I hope... to Dan. Well, yeah. Of course. Dan Curran, Dan the Man from SwiftWeb Technology, <laughs> who does all our IT stuff, has uh, set it up so that we can have multiple people on the line at the same time. And uh, we want to encourage that, get more interactive uh, conversation going on the Tom Sumner program. So save our number, 810-339-8255, as I always used to say. Put it in your speed, speed dial and be at the ready. Um, the other day we talked with uh, Bob from Grand Blanc. He's actually living in Davison now, but he was a regular on the show, and I think we'll hear from him from time to time now moving forward. Um, Good. But, uh, but anyway, Armchair Politics is coming up at the top of the hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, national news and events, along with... Uh, some quotes and uh, the coveted X-Files. It's the critter edition of uh, the X-Files today. Some kind of un <laughs> unusual uh, things that have happened with iguanas and... Squirrel tables. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not exactly I... squirrel tables, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, the hornets. Anyway, you heard anything about them lately? The murder hornets? No, I somehow yeah, we missed nothing. out on that. I, I don't know what, yeah. what what happened to them. <laughs> um, they, they must have caught the COVID or something. Anyway, no fake. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. I I, I got to clear the decks here for my conversation with uh, Brendan Beery, constitutional law professor, to talk about recent uh, SCOTUS um, rulings and decisions, etc. And uh, Andrea will be back with me tomorrow morning. We'll we'll try and take right some calls. Bushy tailed. Okay, well, right. see you then. All right. Good talking with you. Have a good day. And with that, we'll let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. Lady of the house, please. Where's she? Uh, <laughs> you thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky. Soul stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning. Pearly Gate Rock. All dug up. Lying in the Chapel and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in checker money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're going to talk a little bit about the Supreme Court this hour as we lead up to uh, armchair politics at the top of the uh, second and third hour of our three-hour tour as uh, this is Wednesday, which means uh, armchair politics. The uh, President, uh, Donald Trump, recently tweeted, do you get the impression that the Supreme Court doesn't like me? And uh, we're going to find out why they're picking on the president with a constitutional law (laughs) professor from WMU Cooley uh, Law in uh, Tampa, Florida, um, and our go-to guru, if you will, on uh, all things Supreme Court, Brendan Beery, and he joins me now by phone. Brendan, welcome back. It's great to talk to you as always. Good morning, Tom. Great to be here. So, um, does uh, John Roberts have it in for the president? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think it's personal, but um, you know, one one does get the sense that uh, <clears throat> he thinks that um, some of what's going on here is sloppy work. This, uh, uh, in particular, you know, his uh, his use of the. Uh, Administrative Procedures Act. You know the, that that's probably something that a lot of people have never heard of before. It's <clears throat> when the federal government makes rules. You know there are certain um, when federal agencies, in particular, under the executive branch, make rules. There are certain procedures they have to follow. Certain uh, considerations. Uh, you know certain factors that they have to to consider. Um, and they're not supposed to act in a way that's arbitrary and capricious. And so there there have now uh, been a number of times where Roberts um, indicated that he thought that the administration was violating the uh, Administrative Procedures Act, and that basically means you're being sloppy. Uh, you're not crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Um, you're enacting rules that you haven't thought out. Um, so maybe in that sense you could say he's a little bit, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> he's a little bit irritated uh, uh, with the administration. But, but no, I, I don't get the idea that, uh, that the court uh, doesn't like Donald Trump. <laughs> Well, we still have uh, the president tried to um, sort of <clears throat> laugh this off or brush this off by saying, "Well, we, you know, we didn't get the paperwork right. We'll we'll get it right mm-hmm. and get it back in there, and and we'll get the right decision out of them." You know, making it look sort of like uh, the the Supreme Court was nitpicking, and but yet this was one of uh, three decisions just recently that didn't go the president's way it wasn't just daca there was the um, uh the one about uh discrimination against gays in the workplace um and uh and 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 what was the third was it uh was it obamacare related there was daca um, well we're still waiting yeah um those are the two big ones. It was the Title VII case um, about uh, sex discrimination, and then um, also the DACA case. Uh, and we're still, but we're still waiting for some big ones. Uh, there's an abortion case uh, that's in the pipeline. Um, there's a case about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau um, and whether that was constitutionally uh, um, constructed. Um, and there's another one about religion and schools. So there's still some opportunities here for some wins. And, and let's not sleep on uh, the release of, of uh, President Trump's financial records. <laughs> that's, that's in the pipeline as well. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's still possible for the administration to rack up some big wins here. 
and 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 yet the uh, the the president said um, the rulings mean it's time for new blood on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> the recent Supreme Court decisions, not only on DACA, Sanctuary City, Census, and others, tell you only one thing. We need new justices of the Supreme Court. If the radical left Democrats assume power, your Second Amendment, right to life, secure borders, and religious liberty, among many other things, are over and gone, according to yet another presidential tweet. Right. <laughs> yeah, but... I don't know. Uh, the word hyperbolic comes to mind. <laughs> the, the sky is falling, right? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I know he was certainly upset also, not just the DACA case. The DACA case was more of a direct rebuke uh, to the administration, like I said, because of, of, of shoddy work. Um, well, it, it, but, comes, it, it comes at a really, uh, a really bad time. Um, riding the wave of uh, John Bolton's uh, book release yesterday and right. recent comments that uh, the former NSA uh, official um, or national uh, security advisor, uh, John Bolton, made about the president in interviews. I mean, he, he came right out right. and called him incompetent and uh, right. not fit for the job. And then the Supreme right. Court says that, you know, that, that they uh, did sloppy work. Yeah, and then and that's not the first time. I mean, the, the census case that you mentioned, that, that he mentioned yeah. in, a yeah. tweet, in a tweet, uh, was the same thing. Um, the, the Supreme Court, and it was Roberts again, saying, you know, what are you people doing here? We have, we have there are ways, <laughs> right? but that, you don't set national policy with a wave of the wand. <clears throat> you don't, you don't you know, rule by edict. Um, you have to go through certain procedures. So they messed it up in the census case. Robert said that was all about um, sloppy work in that case. Um, the first two travel bans, um, you know, people focus on the third one that was finally upheld by the Supreme Court, but the first two uh, were struck down in the lower courts um, for the same reasons, the poorly drafted. Uh, I remember reading the very first travel ban, the administration's very first effort at a travel ban and thinking, if this was written by a lawyer, um, we need to review our standards because, <laughs> I mean, it was an absolute mess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some sloppy work going on here for sure. Um, and uh, so, I mean, when you, and when you get called on it, you know, I, I guess it's kind of a, a blow to the ego. Uh, but uh, that, that's – and, you know, I, I do – here's the uh, – this is – I'm only half comfortable saying this, but – I don't know what's going on with Roberts. It's like part of part of you wonders, you know, is he um, is he trying to come down in the middle, you know, to kind of well, you and I have talked so often about the institutional integrity of the Supreme Court. Is he is he trying to come down in the middle? Is he kind of softening us up for what's coming on, you know, in the abortion uh, cases, or you know, is, is he giving liberals some wins there, <laughs> or? Has he really kind of had it? <laughs> well, there's there's uh, something interesting about the wording um, in this uh, particular case and some of the comments that uh, the Chief Justice has, has made himself um, mm -hmm. in that he managed in, in this DACA vote to focus on... Um, sort of the you know to to cast aspersions on uh 
with regard to ineptitude <clears throat> by the White House, um, and while avoiding the political part of the question altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So he's he's really kind of killed two birds with one stone. He's he's managed to um, to to stay at least out of the the main focus of the political spotlight with this ruling right. um but but also slam the white house and and there's clearly no love lost between the chief justice and the president yeah i, I think that's true and a, a friend of mine uh who's also uh a, you know knows constitutional law we're, we were talking about this and uh and this, and he, and he said, you know, Roberts, if you're, if you're Justice Roberts, you know, he has. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. You know, justices have agendas, um, and so does the Chief Justice. You know, he's got his ideology, he's got his agenda. He, he knows what he wants. Um, he knows the kinds of cases he wants to be hearing. Uh, he knows where he wants to move the court, and yet he has to spend all of his time cleaning up these messes that I don't think he has any patience for. Uh, you know, this <laughs> kind of rash. Um, decisions that are being made uh, by the executive that necessitate review by the Supreme Court when you've got Roberts wanting to do other things. And um, so I, I think there probably is some frustration there. And uh, and and the just, <clears throat> I think, pushing back a little bit um, against the, uh, you know, the, the, the tearing down of norms. Um, I, Roberts doesn't want that going on in the courts. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to te- to kind of contaminate the Department of Justice uh, and and to bring down you know the the, uh, the agencies uh, in the executive branch you know to kind of hollow them out um, <clears throat> and and make a mess out of all that. Um, but I know uh, you know I, I would imagine Roberts wants to keep the federal uh, judiciary intact and following the rules and um, keep that kind of contagion out. Uh, of Article Three, the Article Three part of government, uh, the courts. Um, so yeah, I I, I imagine um, that that <clears throat> kind of bulldozing you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> norms is not something that that's not in just uh, John Roberts's personality. Well, he said um, somewhat uh, uh, somewhat famously, "You wonder if you're going to be John Marshall." Or you're going to be Roger Taney. <laughs> right, yeah, that's right. Exactly says, right. He, so he it, says you're certainly not going to be John Marshall, but you want to avoid the danger of being Roger Taney. And for people who don't know who Roger Taney is, um, he was the one who uh, uh, was considered the, the um, forefather of... Uh, or the the chief who wrote the Dred Scott decision. Yeah, right, right. Well, live in infamy. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, justices, chief justices, um, you know, in particular, uh, they are remembered uh, for, you know, what they call it the Warren Court and the Rehnquist Court, uh, and now it's the Roberts Court. And so, yeah, it's going to be remembered for something, and, uh, and that... You know, that kind of raises the question where the court is going with these other big cases, because um, one in particular, the, you know, the abortion case that's in front of the court right now is absolutely identical to a decision, to a, to a case that was in front of the court four years ago out of Texas. Um, both of them involved admitting privileges. Uh, they're just 
the law the laws are indistinguishable between the two states, Louisiana and Texas. Um, and so, uh, in in the in the case four years ago, Roberts uh, voted in favor of the state of Texas and its restriction on abortions. Um, and now we have the exact same case. The, the only difference is Justice Kennedy is gone and has been replaced by Justice Kavanaugh. So now the question is, is the court going to flip four years after its prior decision well, and just the fact because that, a justice has been replaced? And the fact that they're taking it up at all, what does that say? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's up. That means that they have at least four votes. <clears throat> so it takes four justices to, to agree to hear a case. And then it takes five, of course, to decide the case. So the fact that they took it up means that there are likely four justices who want to get rid of, right, to, to, to overrule the prior case. That, however, is kind of unheard of in Supreme Court history. Now, the, the court overrules itself. That happens. You know, that, that's, I wouldn't say it's common, but it's not uncommon. For the court to overrule itself but usually it takes at least 15 20 years, at the very least 15 or 20 years and more often than not it takes uh, you know many decades before the court overrules itself so that's going to be something that roberts really has to struggle with do i do i vote the same way i voted four years ago um uh, and and that would have the effect of overruling a precedent that we set just four years ago or do i switch to the other side on the basis of what lawyers call stare decisis, which is uh, honoring a decision that's already been made um, and trying to be consistent. And uh, so, he, you know, that, that's the kind of conundrum he's in, uh, is, you know, with, with the politics of the court um, is, and I, I really am anticipating, you know, <laughs> waiting with bated breath to see what he's going to do here because uh, he has a choice. E either um, switch sides and kind of preserve the status quo, or vote the same way he did the last time. But this time, he won't have Kennedy right as a counterbalance. This time, Kavanaugh would be voting with him um, and overrule precedent that was set only four years ago. That obviously would diminish um, the credibility of the court because the, you, you, know, you were either wrong four years ago or you're wrong now, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, you flip-flopped. Um, uh, and you flip-flopped on the basis of nothing more than a change, uh, you know, on the court. It's not, that, not that that's never happened before, but it's noted when it does, and it, and it harms the reputation of the court. Now, on this, on this DACA case, uh, the president has, has already indicated that uh, they're, they're going to work on a new effort and try and get the uh, mm -hmm. I's dotted and the T's crossed. Um, is mm -hmm. is the court obligated to take it up again if presented? Uh, no, they don't have to. Um, they, uh, you know, they they typically would not unless there's something going on in the lower courts that they think they need to address. Um, so, if if for first of all, I think Roberts did something very clever here, which is in all likelihood he's run out the clock on Trump's first term, right? <laughs> Because I know, I know Donald Trump is trying to make it sound like, oh, we'll get this done in a week. There's no way to get this done in a week. They have to have hearings. Uh, they have to make findings. There are certain considerations that Robert said they must, they must consider. Um, that's going to take time. So, and, you know, and this has to go through a federal bureaucracy. So, um, so the fix is probably going to take us to the end of this first term. So... I think what Roberts is saying here, or, or what he was thinking here, is okay. Let's let's run the clock on this. 
uh, either Donald Trump gets reelected, in which case, you know, DACA is gone. I mean, they're fi- they're eventually going to going to figure out how to get rid of DACA. Uh, so, either he's going to get reelected, and then then it becomes sort of a moot point. Right? DACA is going to be gone anyway, um, or uh, he will not be reelected. In which case, you know, if, if there's a Biden administration, obviously they'll reverse course, <clears throat> um, and this goes away entirely because there's no way. Joe Biden is going to get rid of the DACA program. Uh, so, um, so, so you know, I do think he's he, he's kind of wily, <laughs> John Roberts. I say that as a compliment. Um, you know, he he knows how to manage these things, uh, as you say, to sort of avoid any stepping on any landmines uh, politically. Um, so, yeah, they didn't deal so, with the poli- the <clears throat> politics of it at all, and simply threw it out on. Uh, you know, purely uh, technical and procedural grounds. Right. right, exactly. He also avoided the equal protection constitutional claim, right? There was a constitutional claim in the case that uh, the, that the decision was based on racial animus um, and uh, an animus toward people of uh, uh, Mexican ancestry. And uh, obviously the... the yeah, the evidence for that was in the tweets, right? <laughs> the tweets right. and the statements, and uh, even the statement he made coming down the uh, escalator to announce his candidacy. All that was in the record of this case, and Roberts just kind of brushed that aside and said, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to infer animus from, you know, tweets. Uh, and uh, so, so he says, we don't find that to be a plausible claim. Then he sunk his teeth in on the procedural stuff right, and reached the result that he wanted to. Um, but... But uh, you know, to answer your question, so so he's kind of punted, or I should say, kicked the can down the road here uh, into the next presidential term, whoever you know, whoever that that might be, um, and then it'll be up to lower courts again to go through this, um, and you know, you, it could be quite some time before it gets back to the Supreme Court, and they wouldn't even have to hear it um, if if a lower court. Um, decides in a way that the Supreme Court is fine with, uh, then they wouldn't even have to hear. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, um, uh, about the other big decision. Um, what, what were the, the stakes there and how significant, um, some are calling it a landmark decision um, mm-hmm. uh, on uh, this issue of uh, discrimination against gays in the workplace? Right. That was a big surprise. Uh, and uh, anybody who tells you they were not surprised by that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd believe that. Um, but the, the the big surprises were number one, Gorsuch wrote the opinion, uh, and number two, uh, as as though that was not. And Gorsuch, of course, was a Trump appointee, um, a conservative uh, justice. Um, and uh, if if that weren't uh, surprising enough, uh, he was joined by who else but the chief justice. Um, Along with the four liberals, so there was that. That was actually a six to three um, decision. Um, so Gorsuch writing it was was a surprise. Now there are some machinations going on here, though, uh, to watch out for. This is uh, uh, and again, uh, you know, in, in discussions with a friend of mine. I don't want to take credit for this idea. I got this from some listening to somebody. But uh, the way the Supreme Court works is. Um, if the chief justice is in the majority in a, in a case, and by the way, Chief Justice Roberts is in the majority almost all the time. I mean, there is a handful of cases where he's been in dissent. 
he he manages to work it. And of course, being the swing vote helps, right? <laughs> well, yeah. So you decide who's which side is the majority. But but he he engineers it so that he is almost always in the majority. Well, why is that important? If the chief justice is in the majority, then the chief justice assigns the author of the opinion. Um, so he can either write it himself or he can assign it to whoever he wants writing it. And, of course, some of this is, you know, dividing up the work, um, trying to you know, divide it up evenly among those nine justices. But he decides who writes what. Um, if the chief justice is not in the majority, then it's the ranking member who is in the majority, who, who either writes the opinion or decides who writes it. Now, if Roberts had not been in the majority in that case, then the ranking justice would have been, guess who, the notorious <laughs> uh, RBG. So this is really interesting. For, for Roberts to stop her from either writing the opinion or assigning the opinion to a liberal justice, he had to be in the majority. Um, and so there's, you know, th there's a real question of whether there was some strategy going on here. He says, well, Gorsuch is with the liberals anyway, right? So they've got the five votes. Um, so no matter what Roberts thinks, the, the court is going to rule, um, that sex discrimination includes, uh, sexual orientation and transgender identity. Um, and so, uh, so he says, well, they've already got the five votes, you know, and he's sort of, uh, ambivalent about it anyway. It's certainly to his, um, it, in, you know, to his uh, advantage for him to be in the majority, so he can assign it. He can assign the case to somebody like Gorsuch. And now what you're going to get is a pretty narrow textualist type of opinion instead of whatever kind of what what Roberts would call a liberal screed. Right? <laughs> you are going to get out of Ginsburg. <clears throat> um, so. Um, so that's the so so that that's some really interesting um, you, you know possibilities about what's going on why Roberts um, was in the majority on this uh, uh, but um, you know it, it certainly yeah and Gorsuch did what you'd expect Gorsuch to do Gorsuch said this is a, a, a strictly an interpretation of text the word in this in Title VII right this is a federal statute that bans discrimination in the workplace on the basis of sex. Um, and, you know, the, he, he did this whole thing of, well, um, if, uh, if, if one person uh, is uh, attracted to men and another person is attracted to men and one is fired because it's a man who's attracted to men instead of a woman who's attracted to men, then you were fired based on your sex. <laughs> so he said it's just impossible to discriminate against somebody on the basis of their sexual orientation or their transgender status without discriminating on the basis of their sex. Um, so uh, <clears throat> that has pretty far-ranging implications because that federal law, um, you know, the, the civil rights laws of 1964, uh, Title VII, is not the only federal law that says the word sex in it. Right? Yeah, that, I want that, that bars discrimination. Yeah, I, I, and I want to dig into that a little bit, but I have to go to break here, Brendan. Can you stick around sure. and talk for a few more minutes? Uh, Absolutely. My, my guest is uh, Brendan Beery, and we're talking about recent Supreme Court decisions. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in, uh, or do whatever they do when we go to break. Um, they are 
WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic as well as artists, musicians, candidates and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place 
where you never get harmed. A magical place with magical charms. Indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the Supreme Court with uh, Supreme Court uh, guru for the uh, for the show, Brendan Beery from Cooley Law in Tampa. Uh, Brendan, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. And if you keep calling me a guru, I might start to actually believe that I am one, and that would be really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're uh, uh, you're our go-to guy on all things uh, SCOTUS. Um, just just as uh, Mark Everson has uh, become a regular on the show, uh, calling in from Mississippi, but he uh, actually worked in a couple of presidential administrations. We had him on the show yesterday right. talking about John Bolton. Um, he actually worked with him at the Justice Department. In uh, oh wow, he he worked in two of the four administrations that. Um, john bolton worked in so we were talking more about john bolton because the book just came out yesterday and not not that many people have had a chance to read it yet but before the break we were talking about uh the supreme court's uh decision on uh determining what um what the word sex means in uh in federal laws uh that that prohibit um discrimination based on sex and mm-hmm. you were talking about the far-reaching implications. And one of the things I wanted to ask is, when there's a decision like this from the Supreme Court, what does it do to state laws dealing with the same things? And, and for example, I'll, I'll hold up the Elliott Larson law here in Michigan, and there's been a lot of wrangling over whether or not that anti-discrimination law includes um, sexual orientation. Right. No. So, does it impact uh, those things? A, do do those things then become redefined uh, in in state laws as well? It wouldn't directly impact those things because the Supreme Court does not have jurisdiction to um, to issue opinions on strictly state law uh, issues. Right. So, if the interpretation of state law is up to the you know in Michigan is up to the Michigan ultimately up to the Michigan Supreme Court as to what a Michigan statute means. Um, but indirectly, certainly, it could affect um, the way courts interpret those words. Uh, when you have uh, an, an opinion, um, you know, I mean, it's a well, well-constructed opinion from a well-known conservative textualist, right? Uh, it's, it's going to be persuasive, but it's not binding on state courts when they interpret state law. Um, but but there are other federal laws. I mean, uh, you know, and uh, the 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 one t- Title Seven is about employment. Um, but there's also there are also federal bans against sex discrimination in housing um, and all kinds of other contexts. And um, one of the the really interesting questions is what does this mean for the president's ban on uh, transgender people serving in the military? If if the military has a policy against quote unquote sex discrimination. Um, then does that ban unravel um, as well, or does the court say, well, the military is kind of a different a different situation. We're not going to get involved in that because uh, you know we're not experts in uh, 
you know, uh, unit cohesion and morale and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there have so, been there have been exceptions <coughs> in the military, mm-hmm. right? Or where the military Which, was concerned, right? Yes, um, courts tend to, when possible, <laughs> stay out of military business, um, and that's that that's under something called the political question doctrine, where they say, well, they're they're you know, what, the courts are there to resolve legal disputes and a dispute involving the military, sometimes a court will say, you know, that, that might be a dispute and it might implicate certain questions, but those are not questions of law that a court is equipped to sort out. So, um, so yeah, it's possible that that, that, uh, that the transgender uh, military ban would stay in place despite this, but, it's, but it certainly raises the question um, <clears throat> of whether there's some kind of impact on that. Um, so... Um, but yeah, but to answer your question, you know, um, state civil rights laws uh, are interpreted by state courts, and then then there's this, <laughs> and this may sound like it's uh, semantic or, or just parsing words, but um, there's a there could possibly be a uh, <clears throat> a distinction that courts would draw between sex and gender, um, and sometimes so. At, because when the court interprets a particular word like uh, in a statute, like the word sex in, in Title VII, um, you know, it, they tend to limit their holding to that word. Um, so you have some civil rights laws that don't use the word sex, that use the word gender. Um, now, I, you know, I think it would be a stretch to say that the two, those two words mean different things, but, it's, but that is important to note. The court here was interpreting the word sex. <laughs> so what does it do? with uh, gender discrimination, because, I mean, here's another, uh, uh, you know, uh, unanswered question. If, you know, the court has said that for constitutional purposes, and that's another distinction people have to make, it's one thing for the court to interpret a statute like Title VII, right? Uh, Title VII is a, an act passed by Congress, um, you know, that, that governs the way we go about our business in this country. The Constitution, of course, uh, is directed to the government. So, so whereas a statute governs governs our conduct as private citizens, the Constitution governs the government. So, um, and as a constitutional matter, uh, the government, under no circumstances, uh, is allowed to discriminate on the basis of gender without facing a very rigid level of scrutiny under the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. Um, so. There, we're not talking about a federal statute. We're talking about the Constitution. Gender, the court has said, gender is a suspect class, right? A protected group under the Constitution's equal protection clause. So, if the court is saying that sex in the uh, federal statute includes sexual orientation, does that does that also mean that the word gender in constitutional cases? includes sexual orientation or transgender identity. Um, and, and the court, see, has left itself an out here. They can say, well, no, we were interpreting the word sex uh, for statutory purposes, right, trying to divine the, you know, uh, what, what uh, Congress meant by this. That's different from interpreting what, this, what we, the Supreme Court, meant by the word gender when we're talking about the Constitution. Will they have to address like, that individually, that, that gender includes gender identity? Right. That's what they're going to... I mean, at some point, you know that there's going to be uh, 
there's going to be litigation. They've definitely invited litigation uh, with this opinion, litigation claiming that the Equal Protection Clause necessarily now, in, in light of the court's opinion in the Title VII case, right, that the Equal Protection Clause necessarily must protect transgender people and, uh, and uh, people on the basis of their sexual orientation. And the, the court is going to have to decide that. And that will, yeah, that will be decided on, you know, whenever a case comes before them. That's going to that's gonna take, you know, 18 months at least to percolate up through the system. Um, but that question is coming. So so there, so it's a really interesting opinion. It's, it's interesting that Gorsuch uh, wrote that. It's interesting that he opened the door to that. Um, but, you know, Roberts himself... Um, during oral argument, and this is, this is kind of a kind of a strict textualist approach to it. Roberts himself asked um, during oral argument in a prior case, the the Obergefell case, the one about same sex marriage. Um, he ruled against recognizing same sex marriage, but he asked a question that he never got an answer to. And his question was: it, This spins off of what I said earlier, but his question he actually said he said, "Let's think of three people: Joe, uh, Mary, and uh, Tom." Um, and uh, Mary loves Joe, and Tom loves Joe. This is actually what Robert said. Mary loves Joe, and Tom loves Joe. Mary can marry Joe, but Tom can't. And that's because Mary is a woman, and Tom is a man. So how is this not a gender case? <laughs> right? right? So, you know, there's... Uh, the, and the re again, the reason advocates for LGBT people are constantly trying to link sexual orientation and transgender status to gender is because that is a suspect class under the Equal Protection Clause, and you can't discriminate against people on that, on that basis. So, um, so if they ever win that argument, and, and this was sort of a step in that direction of winning that argument, um, but if they ever win that argument for constitutional purposes, then that would be kind of a sea change um, that nobody would have seen coming on this court. Um, well, you know, I mean, the reason... We're, yeah, we're going to have to leave it there, um, Brendan. But okay. as you uh, pointed out earlier, there are going to be um, a number of real interesting cases coming up, and, and I mm -hmm. hope you'll come back and we'll we'll talk some more. And thanks for spending this time with me today. Absolutely. It's always fun. All right. Take care, Brendan. Stay safe. Yeah, you as well. Bye-bye. You too. As uh, Brendan Beery, he is a constitutional law professor at WMU Cooley Law in Tampa and uh, our regular go-to guy when it comes to all things Supreme Court. We're going to go to our uh, go-to panel for armchair politics coming up in just a few minutes. Hear ye! Hear ye! The court's in session. The court's in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Stop being that fudge. Cause here come the judge. Don't nobody budge. Cause here come the judge. Judge Shorty is presiding the day. And he don't take no stuff from nobody. No kind of way. Hey boy, take off that hat. Where do you think you're at? I know where you gon' be if you don't eat my plea. I'm here to tell you. Judge. Order, order. 
the first case on the docket. George, I got a boy here, can't dance. Can't dance? Can't oh. dance, y'all. 90 days. 30 days of boogaloo. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 